Hey, Joe. Hey, Kyle. Oh, hi, Michael. So, do we actually like Batman? That's a toughie. Um, <laughs> what do you mean by like Batman? You, I can like like Batman. Uh, I'm not into Batman that way. Um, <laughs> and, and do I like Batman? Do I like Bruce Wayne? I would say that I like stories involving Batman. I would say the character himself, I'm, uh, I take some issue with. What about you, Kyle? I like Terry McGinnis. <laughs> <laughs> I was, we did a whole episode on him. I, was, I know. <laughs> I was trying to think of Azrael's name, like John Paul Valley or whatever the hell it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but I couldn't think mm-hmm. of it, so sadly. Uh, anyway, uh, I like. I am a fan of hard-boiled detective fiction, so I end up liking Batman stories a lot, uh, especially when they lean into noir. My perspective character on Batman stories is usually Dick Grayson. He's the person that I vibe with the most. So when it comes to Bruce Wayne, I, I think he's okay. There's a lot of stories where he's nothing more than like a hyper-competent muscle man. Mm-hmm. And that generally doesn't vibe with me all the time. You know, yeah, I, I enjoy a good muscle man story now and then, but, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. he's okay. What about you, Michael? Yeah, I I think my answer is kind of, I, I agree with you, Kyle. I mean, my favorite Robin is, is Tim Drake, but I like things that are adjacent to Batman. And so, like, I like stories about bat people that don't have Batman in it. Or even just, I guess, the most I like Batman is when he's, like, actively being, like, the villain of his own story. Because it's kind of getting at that this guy sucks. And normally, when normally under normal circumstances, they kind of try to humanize him or make him redeemable in some way. It's normally when I feel like it, it gets into that, like, oh, I don't know about this. This feels like some weird moralizing that's happening. And I'm normally not there for that. Um... But nonetheless, uh, speaking of moralizing, uh, what did we watch this week, Joe? Oh, uh, we watched Batman Mask of the Phantasm uh, Mm -hmm. in anticipation of all the news and hype around the new Batman movie that's going to be coming out at some point. (laughs) Supposed to come out October next year, but uh, eventually Robert Pattinson got COVID, so we'll see. Fuck the film industry. That sucks. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) When they probably shouldn't have been filming in the first place. But we watched Batman Mask of the Phantasm, which is an animated movie that's set in the DC animated universe. It takes Mm -hmm. place in between seasons one and two of Batman the Animated Series. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's directed by Eric uh, Radomski and Bruce Timm, written by Paul Dini and others. And of course, you've got your Kevin Conroy Batman. But the twist of this movie is that it retells his origin story. And it involves a new character named Andrea, who is his love interest. Ooh. And what mm-hmm. is sort of like a, a noir kind of 1940s twist on this story. Yeah. yeah. It's something you usually don't see in Batman stories, right? Like romance usually isn't featured heavily ever. I mean, there's yeah. like, sometimes there's like homoerotic subtext. Um, <laughs> sure. <like> seriously. <laughs> no, 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 I get you. But, or, but it's true. Or, um, or, there, or the, the woman is evil. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, she's just... Or planning. he just doesn't get married. He just, yeah. or he just, just doesn't, doesn't get, get married. Because <laughs> <laughs> that see, happened recently in the comics. <laughs> see, this is this is exactly why we wanted Kyle on here for this, because he has read so many Batman comic books that he gets these stupid inside jokes <laughs> that don't make any sense to anyone else, unless you picked up one of the, one of the more ridiculous uh, Bat storylines. 
which hi Kyle. I was say side note. Should I should I introduce myself? Yeah, who are you? Why are you even here? Uh, I'm I'm here because I was born five years before Michael. Uh, I, <laughs> uh, I'm Michael's older brother. Yeah, Mike. I I I think I texted you, Michael, saying, uh, "Oh, you and Joe should should watch Mask of the Phantasm and and talk about Mask of the Phantasm because I think it's good." <laughs> yeah, and so naturally, I told Joe that, and then Joe said, "Let's have Kyle on the podcast." And I had no say in the matter whatsoever. Which is very so. kind. Thank you, Joe. <laughs> yeah. Part of this podcast is that we like to have guests on who are excited and interested in the material that we're talking about. It makes for a better and in, better and more engaging conversation. So mm-hmm. also we like you. So Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I, I would like to point out I have a Nightwing figure on my desk currently, and that's because it belongs to Kyle. <laughs> That's true. Well, when you're when you when you're moving all over the place and kind of in between living situations, uh, you know, your stuff just kinds of ends up everywhere, mm-hmm. <laughs> or just nowhere yeah. when you just throw it out. But uh, yeah, Nightwing is my favorite character, so uh, naturally, I have a, a a toy statue of him. Of course, yeah. uh, look, looking around at all the Spider-Man stuff in my room, <laughs> nerd. Hey, you don't just have Spider-Man stuff, dude. You have a Tim Drake costume. That's true. That I, is mm-hmm. true. I technically do. Mm-hmm. I do. Um, are you gonna Are you gonna say which genre or which which costume of Tinder Drake it is? Is it the uh, black it's... and red one? Is it the green and green and red one? Is it Is it the one it's... with the really with the chrome dome head? Yeah, you know it... what I'm talking about. Or is it Yo, the okay. one with the 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 showgirl wings? I like the showgirl wings outfit. Like fucking fight me. <laughs> I think the I think the blank cowl looks lame. I think that looks like mad dumb. <laughs> like, but what about his new outfit? What about the Drake outfit? No, I hate that. I also hate that. It's so boring. There's no color in it. It's. Just... I can't believe he uses his last name as his name. <laughs> as a superhero. That's so fucking dumb. I'm sorry. It's stupid. Why? No one will be able to figure this out. <laughs> Who okayed this? Who okayed this? Oh, boy. Anyway, uh, we're going to be spoiling uh, Mask of the Phantasm. Uh, we think it's good. If you want to go watch it, please go watch it. It's only an hour and ten minutes. Uh, it's worth a watch if you like Batman superhero stuff. Uh, but we're about to go spoil the whole thing. So just, you know, heads up for that. And it's on Netflix. But okay. First general thoughts of the movie, kind of going into it. How did it feel to kind of go back into this uh, DC, you know, we have a lot of affection for Batman the Animated Series. How did it feel to kind of enter back into the cinematic format? Like, what was it like to encounter a Batman, like, movie even mm-hmm. if it was like animated yeah it was not what i expected because like as you alluded to kyle earlier like batman can tend to be like a muscle man um mm-hmm. especially if you're in the Zack snyder universe um <laughs> the best universe bat butt. Bat oh my butt. god <laughs> ultimate edition get that get that bat flick but oh my god it's not even that good of a butt it's really not <laughs> Uh, fun fact, um, Michael and I, uh, for for uh, people who really love our podcast here and our stands, our first episode of this podcast was going to be about uh, uh, Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice, but Michael and I hated the movie so fucking much, we chose not to. Uh, I love I love how we are turning away the Snyder Cut fans, and I'm so proud of us for doing this. It's, you know, they got <laughs> we gotta do it early. Yeah, they got their movie, it's fine. I didn't it's watch not it. Even a- it's not even a fucking movie. It's a four-part, hour-long miniseries. Wait, what? Really? <laughs> yeah, it's not even a movie. <laughs> They're fucking dumb. 
Wait, <laughs> wait, got, wait, got wait, wait. That's really what the, it's not. I thought they like re-edited Justice League. No, okay, yes, it, they're re-editing it. Um, they're adding some new footage once it's safe to do so, hopefully, and they're going <laughs> to release it as four hour-long parts on HBO Max. Oh, okay. I did. I okay. I thought it was just gonna because I have HBO Max, uh, and like for like Doctor Sleep, you can watch the the the, uh, the theatrical version or you could watch the director's cut. Mm-hmm. And like the director's cut is just like a little video beneath the theatrical one. So mm-hmm. I thought the Snyder Cut was just gonna be that. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! <laughs> but it's this like, is it's like a mm-hmm. whole different thing. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well. Is it canon? Does that matter? Who cares? But it, they don't. Warner Brothers does not give a fuck about that. Yeah. <laughs> canon schmanon, whatever. Yeah, I mean, canon's dumb. Whatever. Who cares? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Back to Mask of the Phantasm. I was gonna, I was gonna try to be like, <laughs> I'm reason. sorry for derailing this. No, we can't talk about Batman without talking about the things about Batman that we hate. It's fine. That's <laughs> <laughs> like we. I mean, I I like really like this movie too. So I would like to talk about the good the good Batman material. Hmm. Which we all agree is this movie, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because I'm a fan of of hardboiled detective fiction, uh, I think the fact that this movie is very much a a, a noir love story, where Batman mm-hmm. is is more in detective mode than he has been recently. Like mm-hmm. even in uh, like the Nolan movies, he's not really doing much detective ing. You know, in the Arkham games, like those are action video games, so you're not really. Like you're punching people and you're, you know, doing combos with your your batterings. Like there's I feel like for me personally, it's been a while since I've seen something where Batman is like doing investigation stuff. Like and obviously there's comics yeah. that where he does that all the time. But you know, I've I've been away from those comics for a bit. So this was a nice refreshing uh return to form for the things that I like about Batman. And I had seen it before, but it surprised me how much I still liked it. Yeah, like, it, he actually has to put things together during this movie, and even doing, like, the very bare basic stuff of a, of a mystery, of tying together the B plot and the A plot, of, like, when you think about it on paper, there's only one person the Phantasm could be, but the movie does a good job of seeding it throughout the movie to be, to increase the stakes of every single clue he finds, to get at, like, the the hard truth of who the Phantasm ends up being, when, I don't know why I'm talking around it, it's Andrea, um, so that when she eventually takes off her mask, the, even if you know the twist, the, it's still like, it, it twists, like, even more so, like, Bruce is, like, off-put by this, like, he's actively hurt and stunned in a way in which Batman commonly isn't, because he's normally really stoic, right? Yeah, like, very rarely yeah. do we see him be emotionally vulnerable. Mm-hmm. You got your one shouting of, you know, where's Rachel? But like, <laughs> um, other than that, yeah, he's 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 a meathead. <laughs> I was really wondering where Rachel was this entire movie. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, she would not approve. Is she in like a, a she's only a Nolan invention, right? Yes. OK. Yeah. Nolan can't write women either. So like mm-hmm. or romance in general. Um, I think <laughs> just like it, it's it, no, all of Nolan's movies are pretty devoid of like emotional romantic tension. He's he's I, there for the action. I loved Inception. What are you talking about? I was really invested in in Leo and 
Marion Cotillard's. Uh, <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm going to stop this bit. <laughs> I just remember the buildings going into squares. <laughs> well, we don't even know. We don't even know Leo's character's name. <laughs> he's just. He's just. He's Leonardo just, DiCaprio. He's just Leo. Did you know that in the most recent movie, Tenant, the character's name is just the protagonist? No, it's fucking not. Is it? Yes, oh it is. God. Google this right now. Oh my god! John David Washington. The first time Nolan has a black lead, doesn't even give him a fucking name. His name is just the protagonist. I also wrote a short story one time. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> yeah, and that works for like a short story, not a two-hour-long fucking movie. I mean, I guess you're unless you're Cormac McCarthy, but I guess that's a little bit famous example. Whatever. I'm annoyed. <laughs> I'm <pulling laughs> I, I love I love how we've tried to talk about Mask of the Phantasm twice no, and been distracted by the fact that it's like, oh remember the fucking Nolan movies? <laughs> I, I, I mean I do think that those movies kind of like hang a specter. Ugh, I didn't mean to do that. Fitting. Uh, oh I fitting. Didn't... No, I love it. Uh, nice. I'm here <laughs> for the puns. Uh they like you know, they 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 kind of haunt all batman movies going forward in the way mm-hmm. that i think this show does as well like i or not this show this movie but the the batman animated series in general yeah uh, mm-hmm. like i feel like the animated series for so many people and for myself it is like the ideal batman mm-hmm. because it's a kid's show i think that forced them to not lean so much or like they couldn't lean so much into like the bad tendencies that we have from later Batman stories, which is like the violence, mm-hmm. the grits, the yeah. like doing swears. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you know, fuck Batman. Swears is <laughs> swears to who? <laughs> <laughs> swears to who, Kyle? <laughs> Would you believe that I forgot and that I remembered and my brain broke? <laughs> And I think that's because a lot of these movies that have come after the animated series are deeply referential to the comics that came before, uh, mm-hmm. like Year One, The Dark Knight Returns, mm-hmm. uh, Long mm-hmm. Halloween, and um, what's the other one? The one that is really bad. Killing Joke. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> Ooh, hot takes here. Uh, hot I takes. Mean, I'm here uh, for it. That's a good point. Look, that's like the dangers of canon and trying to make everything fit within the same universe, right? Like, I don't think Alan Moore intended for Killing Joke to be, for it to be its own standalone story, let alone the idea that he likes his own story now. Everything so desperately wants to tie into that because they think that's, like, the the Batman story. And so when everything kind of ties back into it, it kind of, like, it, like, reduces that story to even worse point than it actually is. And so, like, it's, it's like when a hero gets held back by its own fandom and canon. And that's kind of what makes this movie great is that it is kind of mm-hmm. just like it takes place, of course, some point within the DC or the uh, the animated universe, but it's never really specified when. So you can kind of imagine this is Bruce at an early point in his career. It also could might make sense for him in between Dick and Tim, between that like little tiny break and or just when he's at a general low point that makes him in a more vulnerable state that we find him in in this movie well we see that low point when uh what's what's the councilman's name arthur Artie, arthur fleck arthur fleck 
No, I'm kidding. Was, I'm Arthur kidding. Reed. Oh, that's, that's from the Joker movie. I'm kidding. <laughs> oh, fuck. Uh, uh, I'm so mad. I'm mad again. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just activating everybody's trigger point around Batman this episode. I'm sorry. It's like, how many times can we reference, like, shitty Batman material? <laughs> So Don't worry, I, I'll save it. Batman Forever. Batman we Forever. love it. You know, we I, love it. I, you know, it's actually good. <laughs> it's better than anything else we've talked about, other than Mask of Phantasm. <laughs> um, now Arthur Reeves, he like come like he knows that Andrea's coming back into town, and he comes into Bruce's party and is like, "Oh man, Bruce, it seems like you only date these women because you know there's no chance of the future." And this is after we've seen Bruce like. Like, a bunch of women be all over him and, like, try mm-hmm. to talk to him about marriage. And he's like, oh, you know, whatever. And then Arthur, like, specifically brings up Andrea. He's like, what about that one girl that you seem really close to? She <laughs> seemed really cool. Uh, Andy, uh, you know, and he's like, Andrea. And then he, like, gets mad and goes and broods in his <laughs> in his room while looking at a portrait of his parents. And also, like, lots of good shots. Like, I mean, it's totally... I mean, we could talk about how indulgent this movie is into that melodrama, but like those shots of him, like with the with the with the shadows creeping all over him, and like the door opening is the only source of light in the room as he kind of walks away from it. It looks cool. Like that is cool. Uh, that's like cool light composition, right? Yeah, especially knowing that in this animation, everything is d- drawn with black paper. Oh, I so didn't know it's that. really impressive. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's really cool. Um, yeah, like the light reaching him as he is sitting in the dark right next to uh the portrait of his parents just you know thematically sums up this movie yeah and it's it's alfred who opens the door Mm -hmm. yeah like alfred who gets to be kind of like the 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 guiding light of this movie and like moral compass as he should be yeah i i do wonder like i think this might be jumping a little bit ahead of time so maybe we want to put a pin in this um but like at the end when he's talking about you know bruce i'm so glad you didn't give into vengeance do we feel do we do we think that's true do we think like no it's <laughs> like <laughs> no yeah like we're we're, we, we're we're gonna hop all around go ahead so like okay we just watched a batman trailer for a new batman movie where the ending line is him screaming i'm vengeance to villains yeah <laughs> no <laughs> This character is surrounded in it. Mm-hmm. And like this, this show is also famous for, uh, I think it's when, what's, oh my God, Scarecrow uh, poisons him with the, you know, the fear toxin. It's in a, one of the early episodes of the animated series where he's like hanging onto a ledge and like his self-doubt and fear is manifesting as his father being like, you're a failure, you're nothing. And he's like, no. And his, his like famous line is, uh, I am vengeance, I am the knight, I am Batman. So it, it it does bring up a question of is just not murdering people what Alfred determines as uh, vengeance? I guess so because I also I also found the ending weird in that way in which like one of those weird contextualizations of of, of violence within Batman stories that like you know beating the shit out of someone to the point where every bone is broken in their body is okay as long as you don't kill them. He still returns to being Batman, and that weirdly feels like a failing thing. And that kind of gets into the weird way in which the film and other films as well and comic books uh, characterize Bruce's psyche in that, like, is this like a sense of trauma that you have, like, you just can't get over and like you just and you just kind of keep being Batman because it's like almost like a sense of depression and that like you just kind of keep doing this 
because this is some this is not like a there's this is a sickness with no cure type thing that that Bruce mm-hmm. is stuck into and this is like his this is this is this is his medicine this is his coping th- method but like it's also seen as like also the thing that makes it unhelp like unhealthy and unhelpful so i don't really know not yeah it it, it isn't healthy <laughs> I mean, I feel I feel like I feel like Batman's state and consciousness isn't healthy. And as we were talking about earlier in our episode, like I think, and I would agree with you guys that I think some of my favorite Batman stories are when he is characterized as the villain, and that's usually in the context of like you know the Bat family being all the Robins and Batgirls and uh, mm-hmm. Signals and uh, and such. I, I think it, it just contextualizes like this beating people to an inch of death is really just only making it worse mm-hmm. it's why it's why like the story of like you know batman maybe finding some form of happiness and getting married to catwoman is that's why it had to end the way that it did of course because it's a comic book and it's a soap opera and the story needs to return to normal quote unquote so batman mm-hmm. still needs to be fueled by vengeance mm-hmm. yeah i i think one of the the thing like obviously in the comic books they have to keep selling those comic books and you know so there won't ever be resolution in the way that is uh that puts a character in a different place because the next writer needs to be able to pick up you know with with all the toys back in place of course um i do think that one of the things i really like about this movie is it paints batman as a very tragic hero where mm-hmm. he like both he and Andrea had this opportunity to be happy. I think the fact that it shows Batman, you know, like we, normally when we are introduced to Batman, he is on a mission and nothing can mm-hmm. stop him on that mission. It, it is fueled by, you know, this 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 terrible thing that happened to him when he was younger and he has to do it because his parents died. And if he doesn't, then his, you know, that that then it, then their deaths are for nothing and that's you know that is that is revenge that is vengeance right that is i will mm-hmm. i will i am doing this for me you know this is not mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. of uh this this commitment to to justice it is like i am doing this because i it makes me feel better yeah. and i think that movie makes that this very clear mm-hmm. and it also complicates that narrative by saying he had a chance to be happy and he was going to be happy and then they didn't <laughs> you know like it's he he there's the 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 super famous scene from this movie where he's crying in front of the wayne uh you know martha and thomas wayne's yeah, yeah, yeah. uh grave where he's saying to them i didn't plan on uh i didn't count on being happy like i know i yeah. made this promise to you but I didn't like it doesn't hurt anymore. Like it doesn't hurt so mm-hmm. bad anymore. Mm-hmm. I didn't plan on on there being something that made me feel okay other than this. Yeah. So I do think the fact that it introduces just the idea that one Batman is doing this for himself, like he's not doing this for justice, and yeah. two, there's the there is other ways to be happy. And it, like you of know, course. this this doesn't make him happy either. I think when he puts him on the mask at the end of the movie or in the middle of the movie, uh, that is like a, a tragic horror scene. Yes, mm-hmm. knowing that he, if he had committed to this, if he had tried this, and if she had tried this, they both would have been healthy, happier people, <laughs> healthier, happier mm-hmm. people. 
I think mm-hmm. just it it makes them both sympathetic in ways that I think Batman usually isn't sympathetic. Yeah, totally. I think, and honestly, that's why I think I like the fact that Andrea is still alive at the end of the movie. She doesn't just die. Yeah, because it it does. I feel like it helps the 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 sadness and trauma angle of this. That like, oh, these two people could have genuinely been happy together if they're if this big you know like kind of like life shattering thing didn't happen to them and just kind of caught them at the wrong time. You know, at both times they met up. And both of their like both of their baggage is kind of keeping them from being you know, from achieving their 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 goal or their happiness, and yeah, it it feel it makes it makes their whole like basically their whole like noir relationship work because there's like you know it's going to be shattered by the end of it, so it's kind of like enjoy it while it's here, yeah, because you know you're gonna be end up fighting each other in the next scene and you're gonna be broken up by you know the Joker like always. Kind of like like what you said, Joe. Like he's more of a symbol, and I'm a little curious to hear what you what you what you think Joker's a symbol of because he's almost just like doing what I think the Joker is good for in just throwing like utter chaos and like destruction. In that he literally just goes up there to destroy the manifestation of future for both <laughs> Andrea and Batman. You know, fuck subtlety. <laughs> and that's like, and he and he's also linked to their past, and he's you know linked to their current, and like still destroying the future for both of them. While even in the past, well, the, the Joker, the, the Joker is an inciting incident for for both of them. Mm-hmm. You know, the Joker was created by Batman. If we're assuming the Paul Dini verse, the Dini verse mm-hmm. is um, uh, using the origin story of going into a vault of acid. But also, like, uh, and this, and this being my second time watching it, I noticed that the Joker is the one who kills Andrea's dad. Yes, I didn't know that the first time, but now oh. seeing that, I think that. The Joker is just a symbol of them still making these small choices towards this lifestyle. Mm-hmm. It's be- if you take one step towards vengeance, it's a domino effect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I th- and I think they see that really well. Like uh, Sal Valestra, one of the the mobsters that is responsible for the death of Andrea's father, which you know fuels her her crusade as the uh, the Phantasm. Mm-hmm. Uh, when he goes to see the Joker. And I, I also noticed this on my second watch. Like, I didn't notice it the first time I watched it. He is very familiar, like, comfortable with the Joker in a way mm-hmm. that is weird for who we understand the Joker to be. Because it's like, who who just uh, casually approaches the Joker and is like, you can help me out. I And I know mm-hmm. you can help me out because I know this will lead back to you. Like, the clown prince of crime? The man that will just shoot you because he thinks it's funny? Like... <laughs> like, who would be so bold and it would be only somebody that had some kind of leverage you know and it's mm-hmm. not enough joker ends up killing him anyway because you know messing with batman and and phantasm is just much more fun the joker isn't interested in normal people yeah exactly he's only interested mm-hmm. in and I, I think it it proves your point that uh he is just kind of a symbol of what what stepping towards vengeance will get you like he ends up mm-hmm. in a similar relationship with both andrea and bruce by the end of the movie and mm-hmm. that you know she is she is tied to him and cannot leave him <laughs> in a way mm-hmm. that like that's all batman stories whether mm-hmm. we want to or not sometimes it just ends up back at the joker <laughs> yep <laughs> yeah and i i think you know to, to the joker's credit he is a delight when this movie shows up like <laughs> i think you know, Mark Hamill just does like a really, really good job of balancing the menace and just delivering jokes really, really well. 
Mm-hmm. Like when he is, he he's living in the ruins of the the future. What is it? it's like a it's like a Gotham World's Fair, and it yeah. shows like um, products. The House you, of Tomorrow. Yeah, products you can buy in the future. It has like a fifties Art Deco. Everything is chrome. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. like very much the Jetsons. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Andrea and Batman or Bruce went there on a date, and they were like, oh. What what could the future look like? Could this be possible? Oh, look at this car that looks startlingly like a Batman, like the Batmobile. And the Joker in the future is living there, like making jokes about the robot wife and uh, kicking a robot puppy. Yeah. It weirdly contextualizes violence in a really interesting way in that like it, it doesn't show you violence enacted on people and things when the Joker attacks someone. It like goes into their shadows, right? And like zooms and has all those like kind of like interesting cuts or like zoom ins on his face as he's laughing at people. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. it's almost like it's 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 almost like he's like some type of un- he's doing some type of unspeakable horror to them that like oh like we're gonna leave it up to your imagination to how he like you know hurts them and that's like kind of part of his like enigma status in the movie too. To go back to my point about how there are. I'm not sure if I said this on mic or off mic, but there are a lot of similarities to the Dark Knight in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, with like the character of Arthur is basically the same character as Harvey Dent. You know, mm-hmm. he he works for the city council. He doesn't like the cops. He wants to fuck Batman's girl. Like that's <laughs> like, that's it's, it's it's the same. St- oh, and it turns out he's a shitbag at the very end of the day. Yeah, it's the same story. But with the Joker, like in the Dark Knight, it's like oh, he's chaos. You know, that's like that's his theming. It's chaos. Mm-hmm. He may or may not be Batman's creation. They'll be doomed to do it forever. And I, I think that's also the symbol here is like because Batman is choosing vengeance, he's going to be forced to confront this agent of chaos and death uh, over and over again. Yeah. So when there's like these images of malice, I think it works, you know, it works on that thematically. Like you don't know what he's going to do next. And also this is for kids and they can't show a knife so instead joker's gonna attack with a stick of baloney oh of <laughs> course know? yeah so then i'm curious to hear what do you think what do you to make of the fact that the joker's fate is unknown at the end oh that is actually my qualm with this movie i think the end undermines itself oh okay i think it contradicts itself Lay it on um me. because okay so now that we're at the end of the film um and basically so batman and andrea had their argument they both know who they are and and batman's just like you can't kill people and she's like what's the difference with you (laughs) and everyone's like oh you're right you're right andrea you're right Mm -hmm. oh man are you the hero of this story I think you are. So then Andrea's like, and Batman's like, get out of here. And Andrea's like, mm, okay. <laughs> and just leaves. <laughs> so Batman can be with his real lover, the Joker. They duke it out for a bit. And then Andrea shows back up. And Andrea says, no, I'm going to finish this. And it's implied that she's going to murder the Joker. Mm-hmm. And that, and then she says, goodbye, my love. As if they're all going, she's holding in there so they could all die in the explosion. They all disappear. So it's like, wait, does Andrea mean that she, like, off screen, she had an epiphany and decided that she's just going to turn the Joker in and then leave? That's because that's what I interpreted that as. Oh. Oh. Huh. Because how else did she escape? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I assume that she thought she killed him. And then because this is a Batman movie and you 
can't kill the Joker because the Joker needs to be in more stories. You know, even if he ends mm-hmm. up in a little boy's brain, he's going to show up, goddammit. Um, <laughs> like, I assume... Nice, uh, nice reference to um, uh, Return of the Joker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I assume that she thought she did. And that's why she was leaving. Like, she had crossed the line that she knew that Bruce wouldn't approve of. And mm-hmm. so, therefore, she's like, I... I am alone. <laughs> I can't. Mm-hmm. No one can be with me. I am alone forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember thinking, like, because Batman and Joker are fighting in, like, a makeshift area of the city. And this is where I'm starting to wonder, like, how much of this movie is also informed by the same DC animated show. And that what they're doing is destroying the city by fighting each other in this little, like, makeshift universe. And the thing that brings an end to it is Andrea. Like, them meeting Andrea outside is, gets, is the thing that gets them to stop, like, kind of, like, this mutual destruction of each other. Which, in the same way, like, when... when But it's not, Batman, though. Like, it, like, the the thing that stops them is it blows up. Like, it just explodes true. on all of them. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess it's just, like, in, in that scene when they're fighting each other, like, violence is shown in a really, like, gruesome way when he, like, punches the uh, the plane. Oh, yeah, yeah. And yeah. when he punches Joker, like, there's, like, his tooth, like, flies out. And there's, like, yeah. they do a, a, a long, uh, like, a long shot on Joker's face of, like, showing the blood drooling out of his tooth. Mm-hmm. Which I just remember thinking, like, this, this, it's not that this is divorced from, like, the fight choreography of a normal, like, Batman uh, animated show, but it is, it does seem like it's holding a little bit longer. You know, that, that also happens in the scene where the police are chasing Batman. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, something, somebody shoots a, an explosive barrel or something, you know, like it's a fucking video game. Uh, and Batman gets, uh, you know, hurt by the explosion and he's bleeding. And it, it, like that to me makes it feel more like a noir movie because in in noir movies and in hard to boil detective fiction you, you the protagonist gets beat up like they mm-hmm. are very much a person that's going to get hurt because what they are doing is putting themselves in front of a mystery that is bigger than them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that is going to bring violence upon you. Yeah, uh, and you're also interacting with people that are more than willing to commit violence. Uh, so of course you're going to get a uh, beat up, but it does feel different than you know Batman is the hyper competent man with a plan uh, mm-hmm. that we usually see in most Batman stories. Yeah, yeah, and that just might be under the logic of he's quote unquote emotionally compromised, or maybe you know I I prefer your reading Kyle where they're taking heavy influences from hard boiled detective stories from the forties. No, I, but I think you, I mean, you bring up that, of course, he's thrown off because this involves somebody that really mattered to him, right? Like, the mystery mm-hmm. that she, he's trying to solve is what happened to this person that meant so much to me way back mm-hmm. when. Like, I was going to change my entire life for this person. And I think, mm-hmm. I think you're right. Like, that emotional vulnerability is something that, you know, Bruce clearly doesn't handle very well. <laughs> Um, so of course he would be thrown and more likely to to put himself in situations where he is, uh, you know, going to get hurt. Mm-hmm. It is it is it is a more like a little more emotional Batman. It's it's even strange that like kind of in the same way of evoking evoking forties and fifties detective stories, like he's a P, like what Batman is essentially a PI, which is normally the, commonly the protagonist of detective fiction. It's normally not. Like, he's clearly operating outside of the law, as, like, I commonly see in a lot of detective fiction, because he's not, he's not, he's not a cop, he's a, he's a PI, which inherently involves, or showcasing, like, a failing police officer, or, like, agency in some form, or capacity, 
in this case, like Harvey Bullock doesn't even have any lines, but he's like his presence is very well noticed. I think at the flashback he says like, "There, get him," <laughs> as he spits out his coffee. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The relationship with the police department is really interesting in this uh, the specific movie because he seemed to be uh, cooperative throughout the animated series, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, with Harvey Bullock and uh, and Jim Gordon. But in this film, Jim Gordon takes a backseat. He's just like, hey, don't be mean. He, he stands by his man um, and he's like, nobody better say anything bad about Batman or I will leave <laughs> this room. And that's what he does. <laughs> that's all yeah. he does. But uh, on the other hand, like Batman, like doesn't care about the cops at all. There's the scene where he leaves the cop tied up. There's a scene where he lets Harvey Bullock get in a car crash. There's a scene where the cops are trying to shoot at him, including Harvey Bullock. Mm-hmm. Um, and he tricks him and runs away from them. He has something of an antagonistic relationship with him, with them, but there's never, like, in this film explicitly, there is never a uh, a scene that portrays the police as corrupt. So mm-hmm. going to that hard-boiled detective origin, yeah, you're right, Michael, there's supposed to be, like, some sort of, like, poor system in place. Mm-hmm. And, and it's weird. It's like there's a almost like a love-hate relationship with the police in this, in this uh, movie. Because yeah. of the hate being all the scenes that I said and the love being when, when Batman's crying at his parents' grave, mm-hmm. he says, I could buy more cops. <laughs> uh, uh, Batman, we, we should defund the police, buddy. Um, <laughs> it's really showing that he lived a, a life of privilege with, you know, <laughs> the police are protecting his interests, actually. <laughs> yes. Batman is a le- neoliberal uh, fantasy. We all know this. Um, <laughs> the man with money will save us all. Yeah, it's it's really strange. I-, I think it's just because it is a kids' movie. It's from it's made by Warner Brothers, one of the biggest TV film uh, companies ever. There's probably a lot of strings being like, "Hey, don't show cops as bad guys." Mm-hmm. Yeah, just like it's the same with the military and police. Right, like mm-hmm. especially in these these kid shows. You know, you're not mm-hmm. supposed to show violence. You probably can't show, you know, any children getting hurt. And you can't show the police mm-hmm. as anything other than uh, defenders of law and order. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I definitely don't expect any Batman story, like, just ever to be anything more than, uh, than, than like, a 40s detective story mm-hmm. at its best. Because, mm-hmm. I don't know, like, I... I the character that Bruce Wayne is is never going to be. He's, there's never going to be a moment where he's like, "I, ah, I'm a Marxist leftist now." You know, <laughs> <laughs> that's not true. There is the um, Superman Red Sun. <laughs> he is. That's true. He is in Superman Red Sun. <laughs> uh, like, yeah, and 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 I'm sure he's the antagonist. I have not like read that in a really long time. I don't remember it at all. We we could talk about it some other time. Somehow, I think Batman still ends up being like kind of some objectivist hero of like, you know, what you know, uh, you know, I might be this kind of horrible person, but I'm like, you know, I still believe in freedom and people can still choose to do whatever they want. Oh, okay. Damn. Sort of. And like Superman and weirdly enough, like Superman at the end of the movie who starts out as a communist. um, All right. yeah, Yeah. It's an animated movie and a book, but I read the book at the end of the book. He like he starts out as like a diehard like communist, like, you know stalin communist then yeah. he turns to like leftist and then lex luther who is like the american hero capitalist he beats superman and superman's like well i guess capitalism can survive um <laughs> and that's the end of the book damn what a moral 
I know. Uh, it's strange. Yeah, I mean, like, not to, not to, not to kind of like derail us, but I do think the natural point of order, mostly because I think Kyle, you brought it up earlier, and like because it is the famous scene from this movie, and we've kind of been talking around it. Let's like let, let, I really wanted to focus in on that one scene of of at the grave. Of I didn't, you know, I didn't count on being happy. Like this, <laughs> like this isn't even just brooding anymore. This is like full blown. I am in my feelings. I am crying. I am. I am like this distraught person that we never see Bruce as. So I just wanted to hear both your feelings about this because this is the this is the the takeaway scene. I love MCR Batman. <laughs> <laughs> Batman's just joining the Black Parade here. <laughs> I love yeah, it. He's crying. No. He's like father. Uh, or... <laughs> Damn it! I messed up my own joke. <laughs> you messed up the line. <laughs> It's okay. We can edit it's it. Fine. Do the line. No, uh, fuck. No, no, no. You go. I, I, I lost it. It'll come back to me. It'll come he, back to me. He's making out at the mausoleum um, with Andrea. <laughs> no, seriously. Yeah, but Batman is definitely psychotic. <laughs> <laughs> he is. He's literally talking to figments of his imagination. You know, mm-hmm. and he it's like you I know I made this promise to you and I know you're going to be don't be upset with me please. Like mm-hmm. like begging really himself to to like forgive himself for being happy. Mhm. There's a there's not only is there like a drive for vengeance, but there is a lot of self hatred here. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. it's definitely like the survivor's guilt, right? Like you guys yeah. died and I for some reason lived, and mm-hmm. now I just like one, I miss you. You were my parents, and I loved you, right? And mm-hmm. two, I your death need to mean something, and the only person that can make it mean something is me. So if I'm not doing that, then you're nothing and I'm nothing. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I, I do like that. That is the point of connection for him, Bruce and Andrea. Like she's talking to her mom too at, at the graveyard. Uh, like I'm sure it's a fairly common thing for people to do. Like it's not uh, mm-hmm. inherently a, a, a destructive thing. Unlike we see with uh, these two, but they are like, like preppy goths. In that they're like <laughs> kind of flirting uh, in their their fancy attire, and she's like, you know, my mom wants to know uh, what you're doing here. My mom wants to know about you. You know, it's not me. It's just you know, mm-hmm. my mom wants to know. And then, and then Bruce says, "I'm hanging out in a graveyard. <laughs> Do I? This is like okay behavior, right? It's very Smallville uh, <laughs> episode one, uh, Clark and mm-hmm. Lana, which means that I really liked it. <laughs> oh, of course." <laughs> At one point, we're going to have to do Smallville. Oh, oh my God. You guys definitely oh, should yeah. do Smallville. Kyle will come back on for I'll, just that episode. I, it's, it's, you know, I could talk about Smallville. It's, it's, it's sadly something I'm familiar with. <laughs> <laughs> I know it well. I know it well. Uh, I know the red and blue blur very well. I love um, the blur. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we've got our own wall of weird. Their point of connection, and I think it, it definitely... To me, uh, Kyle, when when Andrea and Bruce first meet uh, at the graveyard, what Andrea is doing, her conversation to me appears more healthy than what Bruce is doing when he's weeping mm-hmm. later mm-hmm. in the film. Oh, 100 mm-hmm. percent. Um, and I think that services Andrea's character rather than mm-hmm. Bruce's and showing that her like her progression into vengeance is has been much more severe mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um 
Yeah. And that I mean, stark contrast kind of hurts. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's even parent because her, her mom talks back, right? Like mm-hmm. Bruce, Bruce allegedly can't hear his parents because they never say anything to him. He's just kind of like desperately asking them for questions with no answer. But for Andrea, she can hear her mom, mm-hmm. uh, allegedly, or she can imagine what her mom would say. Yeah, that's what she and said. I feel right? like, yeah, and I think that that's like communicated really well just with Bruce looking at the portrait all the time of both his parents uh, standing together. And that like, mm-hmm. oh, he's looking to them for like some type of answer or some type of anything. And all he can kind of see is their, their, like, their, how they're posed and probably, like, how he remembers them. And, like, it's probably notable, like, that the little amulet he gets at the end of the movie with him and Andrea in it, they're posed the exact same way. Shit, I didn't catch that. I didn't catch that <laughs> either, and it's so obvious. <laughs> like, oh, <laughs> shit. <laughs> like, this movie isn't very subtle, and I love it for it. But mm-hmm. uh, you're so right. They are posed the exact same way. And so it, it it shows like oh this could have been this could have been your way out this because this was your happiness and you lost it and that's like so sad this could have been us but you love the Joker yeah <laughs> this could have been us but you're just playing games <laughs> and it's for Not both of riddles. them <laughs> it's both both Andrea and and Bruce just like they Andrea says this a lot to Bruce during the flirty scenes uh, when they're they're young like she shows up at his house and mm-hmm. he's like. She's like, what are you doing? And he's like, jujitsu, very seriously. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and she's like, yeah. okay, nerd. Um, <laughs> like, you know, and then she like throws him or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, wow, you can do martial arts. And she's like, yeah, of course. And there's like some banter about like, like, why didn't you call me? And he's like, you expect everyone to call you. And she's like, only the ones that are smart or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Like, she's very assertive and charming in a way that I well what like we know Bruce has like this kind of similar relationship with Catwoman mm-hmm. Batman is the bottom Batman is the bottom is what I'm saying uh it makes <laughs> yep. sense that he like me the viewer and charmed by her and also it makes sense to me that Bruce would be charmed by her as well mm-hmm. especially when they have like similar goth sensibilities too when it comes to like hanging out in graves and talking to their dead parents mm-hmm mm-hmm it it to me it just I think like you said like and this is kind of what we talked about at the beginning of like it's the right amount of informed by its source material in that it is like it is evocative of like these prior love interests in the same way that uh, Bruce's like past history is as well but it's not held their relationship and Bruce's coping with his feelings is not held back by the fact that like oh Batman's historically been this stoic person or he never wonders about Selena during this movie he's just allowed to kind of be informed by it but not held back by it and it just makes him a more nuanced and complicated character in this specific movie Mm -hmm. and i i i agree i like it all that much more for it yeah and so when she shows up at the grave you know like like you said earlier uh she can talk to her parents in the way that bruce can't imagine what his parents sound like so when he's like crying out at the grave saying like you know i didn't count on being happy and she shows up behind him to say mm-hmm. maybe they sent me uh, uh it is her yeah. kind of like you know yes anding him <laughs> <laughs> for lack of a, a better phrase uh saying mm-hmm. like i you know I, I know this this obviously still hurts you and you don't tell me about it she said multiple times you never tell me about your future but maybe this could be something you know maybe maybe we can be happy together and find happiness together Mm-hmm. which is like you yeah. know for us viewers we know it's not going to happen because we know he becomes batman 
but it yeah. seems so believable in that moment. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. they're compatible. They're so like they make each other happy and make each other. They're helping each other process this this traumatic loss that they've both felt. But it's all torn away by vengeance and chaos. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do think. Uh, like, I guess Andrea put the the locket there, right? I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's it's. I guess it's echoing like when when her dad is pressured by the mob to leave. Uh, she sent she sends back the uh engagement ring that Bruce gives her, mm-hmm. and he yeah. gets it right as he exits the cave. Um, and at the end of the movie, he finds the the amulet inside the cave. Yeah. Um, which to me says like, oh, these people see each other for who they are, mm-hmm. and they do care deeply for each other. Like they're honest with each other in a way that they have not been throughout the entire movie, mm-hmm. and have only reached that point when it is too late. Yeah, you know, this is right after Alfred is like, you know, I'm I'm so glad vengeance didn't push you over the edge. <laughs> and to have that be the end note to that conversation does feel like, oh, but isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> it's tragic, right? Yeah. And I, I think the fact that it framed, like, in my mind, Batman is never really a hero. Mm-hmm. And I think this kind of story helps capture what I like about him as, like, a tragic mm-hmm. hero, as somebody who can't quite emotionally connect with people. Mm-hmm. because he is afraid and because he is sad you know he's 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 torn up by the, the the loss of his parents and this movie contextualizes that in a way that feels sympathetic to him and to her while mm-hmm. also recognizing that this this is a horrible thing that happened to both of them <laughs> yeah and this this thing that they're doing to try to try to make themselves feel better is unhealthy and it will end up hurting them both in the end yeah even if they do accomplish some good with it yeah I, I agree. The like the best bits the best bits of Batman are in this movie. Of uh, you, you know you got you got his sadness and his angst and just like the right amount of brooding that doesn't that feels like contextualized and isn't so internal to a point of reduction of just like you know I'm I'm sad just because I'm sad. It's 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 really it's doing the thing that despite the fact that we return to his parents being killed in every single movie. It's like the, the the good thing that Homecoming does at contextualizing Uncle Ben's death as something that's just happened and they're just coping with or they're dealing with rather than like having to just kind of like re-emphasize the lore we already know and just kind of gets to the more interesting stuff, which is how is this continuing to manifest for him? And it continues to manifest in him being Batman and it's therefore it's continuing to be unhealthy for him and to the point of like actively detracting from him getting over it. And yeah. Like a, a good, a good, a good reading of Batman is a tragic one. <laughs> and destroying the city too, like, you know, as you and Joe pointed out <laughs> during the fight with the Joker, like it is destroying the city. Like yeah. there's never going to be a uh, resolution through this way. There's only just mm-hmm. going to be more fighting and more, more, more death, you know, more sadness. Yeah. You know, it is, it is, I, like I said, I don't think there ever be a, a, a leftist interpretation of Batman from DC you know, I, I hope DC is thinking about Batman's relationship with the police in light of the the past couple of months. Um, mm-hmm. But I do think that this might be the closest we ever get. Mm-hmm. And that does uh, that could transition us into a, a brief conversation about the upcoming Batman movie. Yeah. Uh, directed by Matt Reeves, who famously did the last two Planet of the Apes movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if you saw them. I enjoyed them. Yeah, I heard yeah. those are good. I, I haven't seen either of them, but I've heard they're good. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're good. Uh, I love that. Uh, I love that an ape is the main character. To, to get into that conversation about the police, um, there is supposed to be a GCPD series that coincides with this new movie. Oh, um, that's yeah. also going to be directed and written by Matt Reeves. But I'm not sure if you guys watched the DC fandom event thing, but he talked about it briefly and he said that there's going to be supposedly they're all corrupt cops. Okay. Okay. Um, but Gordon will be a presence in the movie. Mm-hmm. So see, that's the that's the thing that throws me. It's like I, yeah. I want Gordon to be there because Gordon is a, a you know a long-standing Batman character. But like, will they actually be able to complicate Gordon's character in a way that reflects current world, uh, you know, relationships with the police? Hmm. I don't know. I don't know. Either. I just. Sus- I suspect it'll just be a lot of Gordon probably feeling sad and like he doesn't know how to cope with the fact that his department is corrupt and he's just like, oh man, I just feel really bad about things. If Gordon's just a sorry cop, I guess that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, and I mean that's kind of that's kind of forties detective fiction is like mm-hmm. car, uh, corrupt cops are the norm. You know, you're mm-hmm. they're no yeah. unlike unlike most cop stories today, we don't pretend like most cops are 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 in it for 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 justice like i think the usually your perspective character is the one that thinks that and is just disillusioned and shown that he can't actually do anything it's usually he uh can't actually do Mm -hmm. anything about it because everybody around him is corrupt yeah um which you know that is that is how the police operate but i don't know if a dc story is willing to 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 take the swings that they would need to take in order to 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 make that point because eventually you are just focusing on a bunch of shitty people doing shitty things for shitty Mm -hmm. reasons you know and after so many years of that can you tell a story like that in a way that is actually sympathetic to the people the police are murdering i don't know it's like it's like it's almost just not the genre fic- it, can be, it can feel like it's just not the genre fiction for it unless they've made some like big swings yeah it, it makes me think of a, a nightwing comic it was from the rebirth around when rebirth happens so i don't know when that was 20 2018 20 that sounds right uh and is by tim seeley javi fernandez i think chris sotomayor is the colorist mm-hmm. um and in it he dick grayson is working with one of the the enforcers for the the court of owls which is like you know the secret government underneath uh gotham for the wealthy mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh and the person that he's working with is uh is is a former thief and he's like mm-hmm. you know everything batman taught you was wrong uh you can't actually help people by fighting crime in this way you're only going to end up hurting like you're just hurting more people and you're not yeah. tr- you're not mm-hmm. trusting the people that you deem criminals. And complicating that is Barbara Gordon shows up, daughter of the police commissioner Gordon, uh, <laughs> and she's and he he is she is like you can't trust these people. You can't trust this rap like this guy's name is Raptor. You can't trust these people that you're talking to. They're trying to trick you. Uh, and his he thinks back on his entire life and how the reason he picked Robin as a name was because it was a reference to Robin Hood. You know, steal from the the rich, give to the poor, and he and he thinks back to this moment when Batman told him, "You can't trust criminals; they're just they're just going to be afraid of you." So then he's like, "Well, then what am I? What are we doing? What am I doing? Maybe I can't help people by 
fighting crime, maybe I need to fight poverty. Poverty, And how do I fight poverty? I fight poverty by giving people the things that they need. Mm-hmm. And he mentions bringing this up to Barbara when they were younger. And she says, if you steal from people, if you steal from the rich to give to the poor, that makes you a criminal. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, boy. And I, I think it's easy for me to, to, to project onto this because I... I grew up in a very conservative neighborhood with a very mm-hmm. right-wing uh, parent. Uh, you know, my, I guess, I don't know. Have you said this on the podcast, Michael? Is it okay for me to say? Go for it. Go for it. Uh, like, it's like, we we all grew up in the same neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just like, like our dad, Michael and I's dad is a, was a, is a former cop that participated in the violence during the Rodney King riots. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, and, and because we grew up in a conservative area, most of the people that we interacted with were conservative. Mm-hmm. him having that realization and trying to talk to his friend, his, you know, his girlfriend, his person that he cares about very much. And then just refusing to acknowledge that reality feels very familiar <laughs> and it feels mm-hmm. very sad. Cause he, you know, I think Dick is the one that is most likely to challenge Batman on any of his shit, but that conflict gets rounded down to like an individual disagreement. Tim and or uh, Dick and Bruce will never disagree because of ideological reasons. They will only disagree mm-hmm. because like, I don't know, Bruce lied about something and they're mad at him for <laughs> it, which is also like a valid reason to not like somebody and be mad at somebody. Totally. Uh, totally. But they ne- like, it feels like an editorial mandate to never quite dig into structures to never quite mm-hmm. dig into to systems of oppression, how they might hurt people. Like, mm-hmm. eventually, Raptor does something that Dick finds, uh, you know, too far. Uh, <laughs> and they, you know, part ways. Mm-hmm. In the way that we've seen with, like, Killmonger and Black Panther, you know, that's that's been the Magneto, uh, Professor X, you know, vibe for a long time. Mm-hmm. And the reason they can't criticize these things is because they would lose money if they did. Yeah. So I, I don't know. It makes me think that, like, specifically with that that Gotham show, I don't know how 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 critical of the police can you be if all of your perspective characters are the police? And maybe they're getting that feedback and they're willing to do that work. Who knows? And that's almost like the problem with this with this with this type of approach to uh, tragedy, even in like a Batman story, like even in this in Masks of Phantasm that we really like. Is that like it, it ultimately ha- it can have a feeling of like this is just the way the world is like the world is just kind of fucked like this mm-hmm. and that's not true mm-hmm. like you know contrary con- contrary to what Bruce thinks you can actually just invest in social programs invest your money into social programs Bruce Wayne and that will help give, give people the things they actually need to you know to stop crime uh, but you know that's not what this movie does a charitable read to Bruce's saying. I could just hire more cops as if that would be an actual answer. It's still shown like the police are contextualized even within this movie as a failing institution. And so like it, it's it's kind of just all if you can, it can all feel kind of fucked. And so this is my roundabout way of saying I kind of agree in that. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know if I have. I don't know if I have belief in just purely in the same way that like I have a you know a, only a certain capacity for for stories where all your perspective characters kind of suck. Like I haven't watched The Boys for that reason either, because it's like oh how much of this can I take without feeling like this is just spinning its wheels a bit and not illuminating. It just becomes point? nihilism incarnate, right? Yeah. So like 
and that's what Batman stories have been, at least. You mm-hmm. know, that's what Batman v Superman is, right? Yeah. It's the Snyderverse. <sighs> yeah, and that, like that's what Titans yeah. is. Like Mm-hmm. Like I wish, I wish Titans was good. <laughs> I so wish Titans was good. Um, like those are the types of Batman stories that we've we've been telling, right? Like those are. Mm-hmm. I mean, they 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 draw upon you know right comics by Frank Miller, who ended up being a very conservative person, you know, self described mm-hmm. libertarian, but you know, <laughs> yeah, and you know, and, and, and even Alan Moore, who I think. I think he, I don't know if he identifies as a leftist anymore. He seems to be just cranky, cranky left-leaning man. You know, he he acknowledges that it seems that everybody took the worst things away from the Killing Joke. Like he regrets yeah. writing it because of all the, like what it did to Batgirl as a character, uh, and then yeah. like what people latched onto when it came to the relationship between the Joker and Batman. Mm-hmm. And like you know, Oracle existing as a character is great. You know, like there have been mm-hmm. bright spots despite all the wallowing in the mud mm-hmm. so maybe there'll be some 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 highlights but who knows uh yeah. i mean what do you two think about this batman trailer like and what what do you think of like robert pattinson's potential interpretation of that character i i think that um it has the potential to draw on that noir detective fiction as we've already described as like best case scenario batman mm-hmm. because robert pattinson seems to be drawn to the dark brooding complicated characters mm-hmm. um, uh, see the lighthouse for example <laughs> and twilight but and twilight yes hmm? dark and brooding dark and brooding and sparkling um at the same <laughs> time but that's range that is range <laughs> <laughs> i i think it's interesting I think the the Riddler as a serial killer um, is a cool angle, but and the trailer seems very dark brooding. But mm-hmm. I trust Matt Reeves as a director. I think he can direct a good film in mm-hmm. terms of like a like fulfilling story. You know, we'll see. Mm-hmm. I think the thing that honestly, in just in tandem with this, is just that it gives me hope for a younger Bruce Wayne. In that, like, oh, let's yeah, let's see what Bruce Wayne Gear One looks like. Uh, or not year one, fuck. Year two. Um, year two. Uh, looks like. I'm sure this movie that... will reference year one, too. Oh, of course. <laughs> and that, like, I do like that scene in this movie where Bruce is, like, really hamming it up in the in his first confrontation with, with the, like, the, the criminals. And then he's like, oh, I, I don't know how to do this yet. Which makes me wonder if, like, that final thing of, like, you know, him saying, I am vengeance is going to come later in the film. After kind of him, like, failing to be Batman for a little bit. But I don't know. We'll see. If it's whatever, it's whatever. It's like I've seen bad Batman stuff. Yeah, I, I do think that the hope lies in understanding that Bruce Wayne is not just the hyper competent Batman, but also mm-hmm. the conflicted, you know, emotionally troubled Bruce Wayne. Like people mm-hmm. and I, I think this at one point was a novel take that Bruce Wayne was the disguise and Batman was the real person. Mm-hmm. but i think you also don't get to that point without mask of the phantasm right like you you don't get to yeah. that point bruce does not start his batman journey being i am batman i am hyper competent i know yeah. the way to take down everybody it's an emotionally troubled process like he can't just drop his his former life 
You know, and I think mm-hmm. like if you look at um the Arkham games or if you look at the Snyderverse, it's almost like Bruce is just looking for a reason. He's like anything to get rid of this <laughs> Bruce Wayne guy. I'm ready to be Batman 24 yeah, seven. Of course. Um, and that's how the, the Arkhamverse ends, right? Yeah, right. Right. <laughs> like that's how he just becomes Nightfall. Nightfall. Right. The Nightfall protocol or whatever the fuck. And, you know, other people have pointed this out on Twitter. Uh, motherfucker can't even say I love you. Uh, but he, he's ready to <laughs> become <laughs> Nightfall man. Nightfall bat. Yeah. So I, I, I hope this new movie and they people say this all the time, every, like every time they do a new interpretation of this character, uh, you know, we're really trying to get down to the root of who this guy is. You know, it's going to be really emotional or whatever. And yeah, unsanitized. Right. Raw. <laughs> raw and unsanitized uh, and like our like our covid written star right? oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. i hope he's getting the care he needs yeah same mm-hmm. sometimes you just need to you know tell tell uh you know newspaper or something you just need to give them a line because you need to talk about your 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 new upcoming Batman movie that people are going to see no matter what mm-hmm which is why you say things like it's going to be emotional and raw. We're going to get to the core of the character. Those things kind of mean nothing when said in a yeah. in a press press release. Mm-hmm. Totally. But I do hope that they try to look at like the full spectrum of who this this mm-hmm. very sad troubled man is, as opposed to mm-hmm. just the uh, superhero part of it. Yeah. Totally, hundred percent agree. But until then, we got this kick-ass animated movie. <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's true. true. That's mm-hmm. true. Will it be better? I guess only time will tell. I'm not expecting um, it to be better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Where's my Nightwing movie? I uh, know, man. They made that one. Don't you? Did you watch those new DC animated movies with like shut, with Fuckboy Nightwing? Shut the fuck up. <laughs> I love the Teen Titans movie, the one with all the sexual chemistry between him and <laughs> Starfire. Jesus. They're like trying to have. Were they like trying to have sex like during a battle or something? I don't know, yeah, man. I think it's like he good. makes a joke. He's like, oh, do that move. And she's like, here? And then she, like, blushes. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, you yeah. guys. <laughs> like, it's fine for you guys to be horny into each other. Just do it in believable ways, not just, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, they should just be like, babe, you look so hot today, you know? Mm, yeah. mm-hmm. They should, like, high-five each other and, I don't know, it'd be, be, be more fun. Just be more fun. <sighs> yeah, I mean, well, we could do those movies. <sighs> oh. <laughs> Another time. Another time. Because... Oh boy, lot to say, but not enough time. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, I'm glad. I'll just say I'm glad we all enjoyed this movie uh, this time around. It was definitely a good movie to come back and watch. Hopefully, people take. Hopefully, people watching. Hopefully, this movie being back helps inform some Batman related stuff going forward. And thank and thank you, Kyle. Even though we joked, just wanting to have you on for being in on Batman jokes, but I think. Uh, I remember telling you going into this that I was just like, oh, I just think you know Batman really well. Yeah, and I think I think you got uh, good, interesting things to say. Oh, thank you. No, thank you both for having me on. I'm definitely uh, happy to talk about a Batman and Mask of the Phantasm. So thank you. Thank you both. Actually, then more thank you to Joe since it was his idea. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, Kyle. Yeah, you. Uh, we're glad that you were here. And yeah, definitely, I'm... Um, um, you definitely provided your expertise. Oh, thank you mm-hmm. on uh, on bat related uh, history. It, mm-hmm. It's funny. Like I think the very first thing I did, or one of the first things I did at Berkeley involving Batman, was my friend, my good friend Hannah, was doing a 
an animation class and she was like do you want to do the batman lessons one so i don't have to (laughs) and two so i don't say something stupid and you make fun of me for it which i never would have (laughs) i'm a good friend um (laughs) hannah we hope we have you on at some point (laughs) (laughs) shout out out to hannah if she's listening to this hi hannah but i think since then i've been trying to put my feelings about batman into words and you know it's a it's a, it's sometimes it takes a really long time yeah sometimes you just pick up that uh old batarang out of your closet and you're like hmm, i haven't thought about you in a while excuse me i have a wingding <laughs> i have a, a wing ding? Is that what they're called i don't know they called i think they're called wingdings oh my god i think robins are just called shurikens so it's the r i don't know which robin i am which oh yeah who who do you most vibe with in the uh the batman universe joe and it's okay if they're none of them um i definitely i think i do vibe most with nightwing mm-hmm. i get the idea i get the idea of being the older brother and i definitely i identify with nightwing wanting to step out from batman shadow and just realizing like hey maybe i don't need to be an asshole maybe i could actually try to do some good here yeah mm-hmm. yeah notes I, I-, I feel it <laughs> i like nightwing i don't i don't care for jason todd red hood I like I like Tim Drake, and I will dare to say that I enjoy Damien. I know that that's <laughs> not a good take here. No, nah, who who doesn't like Damien? Uh, Damien is great. I like Damien. What? What? Who's like you Damien? both like? Da- what? Are you? Did you think we didn't like Damien? Yeah, I thought you both hated Damien. No, we like Damien. We're pro Damien here. Really? Oh, okay. All right, cool. I'm in good company. Damn. (laughs) (laughs) I got lucky. Yeah. Yeah. I think think Damien's an interesting foil. Mm -hmm. Um, And I like him the most when he is (laughs) with Dick um, Mm -hmm. after he takes over the mantle. Totally. I agree. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Stuff for down the line. But anyway, this has been a lot of fun, y'all. Kyle, once again, thank you again for coming on. You know, one day, one day we'll get every single sibling of ours on this podcast. Uh, Joe, I can't wait to do an episode with uh, Danny. Kalen, we do. Oh, Danny, okay. I was gonna say Danny. We could do, uh, we could do episode, our favorite episodes of uh, Barney the Dinosaur. Barney the Dinosaur. I was gonna say. I was gonna say Thomas the Tank Engine. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah. Uh, once again, thank you very much for coming on. Uh, thank you all very much for listening, and uh, we will talk to you all next time, next week. You're, so you're supposed to until say- then. You're supposed to say the title of the podcast. I just want to let you know. <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll talk to you next week, everybody. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Pop the Culture Podcast. <laughs> Joe's a professional. <laughs> I'm sorry, Michael. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>